Perfect. Well, um, it, it was interesting. Uh, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, it was two years ago this month, in fact, that a team of eight people sat down in a living room and had their first task on a docket of many things to do. And the first task was, all right, we're starting a church. And since we're starting a church, the first thing a church needs to start, kind of technically, is a name. Hey, thank you, Scott, for that. Perfect. I'm going to take this real quick. Awesome. So the first thing a church needs is a name, right? And so we were tasked with what do we call it, right? What's going to be its name? And I'll tell you, to name a church, it's a difficult task, right? Because there's so many different options at your disposal. And so we were going through all the options, like, well, we can name the church kind of like how you name a housing development, like Stony Brook Church, um, you know? That's, a matter of fact, all you need is a rock and a timber and a water, and any combination can be a housing development or a church, you know? You can have, you know, Rippling Ponds Church, or, you know, whatever it is. You know? So we're like, we could do that, and that would seem very family and friendly, but that really didn't do it for us. And so we're like, well, what about some other ideas? And so we had the other idea of saying, well, why don't we just shove Lake into our name, because everybody else does that. You have Over Lake and Timber Lake and East Lake. None of them are even near lakes. That doesn't even matter. You can... You could just throw lakes, and we're like, we could be Cedar Lake. We don't. We could be Snoqualmie Lake, because that actually does happen every three years. Um, so, we could have Snoqualmie Lake, you know, Snoqualmie Lake Church, and so we we could do that. But now we're not going to go with the lake route, and so that was it. And then we thought, well, we could do some really cutting edge thing to show that we're hip and cool, like this ain't your grandma's church, church, um, you know. And, and so we kind of, you know, had kind of kicked around ideas, but on this particular day, when it was actually time to name a church, uh, we, we weren't really quite certain about the name, but, but we were certain about its identity. We were certain about the agenda and the heart behind this church that was going to be born, and that identity is that whatever it was called, whoever was a part of it, it would be a place that is all about Jesus. We knew that. No matter no matter any other consideration, any other issue, we knew that whatever we were going to launch, it had to be all about Jesus, not just simply all about people or all about morality or all about being good or all about making a difference in our culture, but chiefly maybe doing those things under the umbrella of it being all about Jesus. Uh, see, we, we knew that was certain because when you read through the New Testament, you see that Jesus, uh, he is the one who came into the world for the church. And Jesus is the one that walked the earth for 33 years for the sake of the church. And Jesus is the one that said, I will build a church. And Jesus is the one that suffered for the church. And Jesus is the one that faced the wrath of God to redeem the church. And in that sense, we say Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. He came and purchased redemption. What should we call our church? That's a good name, right? Redemption Church. At 8.33 a.m. on September 26, 2011, we knew that it would be called Redemption Church. Now, yeah, thank you for that. I'm buying you lunch. At Extapa or Extapa. Um, so, your choice, all right? So, but man, we knew that. It's Redemption Church. Now, here's what we didn't know. That brisk Monday morning, we didn't know. 
how many people would be a part of it? We didn't know if it would survive. We didn't know what the future would hold, but we knew that whatever we did, it would be all about Jesus. Right? And, and it's been an amazing two years. I mean, just an amazing two years for a number of reasons. And there was things that, that even for myself personally, when I went into this endeavor, you know, I, I remember driving uh, into town um, that Monday morning, going to the meeting, and, and I remember uh, just saying, Jesus, uh, it's your church. Whatever we're about to do, it's, it's really yours. Um, you open churches, you close churches, you're the senior pastor of churches. It's not my church, it's not this group's church, it's not whoever's a part of it. In that sense, it's really your church. I just want you to do whatever you want with it. And he's done a lot of things with it, but there's been some things that even if I share personally, he's done uh, in me with this place that I just didn't foresee. Like in some unforeseen uh, uh, like reality to me, this place has been healing in my life. This place has been encouragement and comfort and stretching. And, and God has used redemption to beat the stupid out of me a bit, right? Because there is stupid in me. And, and, and God's like, you know what, I'm going to use this thing that I love, this church, and I'm going to shape your character. And it's been an incredible personal journey for me. In fact, uh, last week I was uh, speaking uh, at, a, at a family camp over in eastern Washington, and I had a great opportunity to hang out with different pastors from different churches in that, right? Uh, and so, you know, we were just talking about church and talking about, you know, just kind of shop in general, that kind of thing. And, uh, and then I also had the opportunity to meet with my mentor. I mean, this is like, this is the Yoda that trains Jedi Knights everywhere. I mean, this guy, like, he's a stud, right? He has trained tons of pastors. He's been in my life since I was 14 years old. This guy has just made an indelible mark on my life. And it was great to sit down with him because he's actually now a pastor at the church I left to come to Duval. So, so we have not only our years of relationship, but now we have a relationship to a church, uh, you know, that he's serving in, that I served in. Uh, he didn't take over my position, but he took op over the open slot that was opened up in, in my position, right? So, you know, we're talking about church, he and I, and my other friends that I met with, we were all talking about church, and, and, and here was the, the coolest thing for me, listening to them. I'm like, I'm in the coolest church ever. Honestly, I mean, I'm sitting there listening, starting to glaze over, because I'm like, yeah, your church sucks in comparison to mine. Um, you know, our church is so cool, you know what I mean? Our church is so awesome. Our, I mean, I'm just like, man, I just dig our church, you know? So then I came back this week, and then Ellen was making some changes with furniture in the house. So she said, hey, would you post some, some stuff? People are laughing already. This is good. Um, so I, I said, sure, I'll, I'll post a bunch of furniture for you. That's no problem. I made the foolish mistake of putting on the Duval trading post, um, right? Foolish for a number of reasons, most of which I would get in trouble if I shared publicly, so I won't. But, um, but the reality was, I, I didn't think about it, you know, but then people started like, oh, wow, he's selling, like, bedroom furniture and his couch and his entertainment center and what's the deal? And so finally, Carla Smith posts on the, the trading post. She's like, uh, why are you selling all your furniture? And it's like, you know, because I was out of town the week before, like I was candidating or something, you know. So, like, you know, I, I know, man, people are thinking, they're like, he's selling everything, he was gone last week, that jerk's leaving, right? Um, and, and, and so, you know, she posted it, and I'm like, you know, I am moving all the crap out of my garage so that a car can go in there, which is what it's built for. Um, and so, you know, and, and so, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not leaving, man. We're in this for the long haul. And, and I, I share that because in all sincerity, um, that is a deep, heartfelt reality 
for the Boswell family. That, 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 no, yeah. I, um, and if I get missed, I feel like I've, been, I've cried more on the stage in the last year. Like, honestly, I feel like I need to go to some of the elders and say, just kick my butt. I'm crying too much. Um, and, and so I hope I don't get misty now. But um, I, I went to Pastor Scott a couple of weeks ago, and, and I said, you know, um, you know, I've been, I've been uh, doing ministry for 23 years now. Uh, I trained in a church called uh, Fourth Memorial, became Faith Bible Church, trained and pastored there, pastored a church called Beacon Bible Church that merged with a church called Indian Trail Church. I did that all the way till I came here. And then the last five and a half years have been uh, just an amazing, crazy, life-shaping ride. Um, and I said, and, and what's so great for me is I have never loved a place more than I love this place. Just, I've never loved a church as much as I love this church. And so uh, my heart is, ah, thank you. You know, I was a little nervous, like, hey, I love you. Hey, ditto. Um, I wasn't expecting anything, don't worry. Uh, just, just, this is a little bit different than I normally do. I, I just want to share my heart in that. It's, it, it's a really great thing. I, I think most pastors I know operate in discontent. They operate in discontent. They, they do their job and they punch in their time and they're passionate about what they do, but a lot of times they're discontent, you know? And, and they're looking over the fence. Oh, it's greener over there. It's greener over there. I'm like, no, they spread manure over there. That's why it's greener. Um, it's greener because if you go there, they'll pee on your grass. Um, you know, so, so that's how most pastors kind of function, you know. And so it's a great thing to be like, man, I, I'm in the coolest place ever. Why would I want to go anywhere or look any other place? This is awesome. So um, I love Redemption Church. I just love it. Yeah, I do. And, and, and I want to tell you why I love it. I mean, I love it for some deeply emotional reasons, obviously, right? My heart is bound to this place. But I also love it because the things uh, that we care about, the things that we love as a church, what makes us tick, right? So I want to go through those to remind us why we're here as a church, right? It's all about Jesus, right? That's why we functionally exist. But I want to go back through who we are, uh, why we exist, all those kinds of things really quick as a good refresher because we're going into the next year and we want to make sure that we're focused, we're ready, and we're effective as a church. So the first thing I want to remind us of is who we are. And who we are, according to everything on our website, is we are a group of imperfect people redeemed by a perfect God. Yep, that's it. There's not one perfect person in here. And if you think you're that person, Randy at Adventure would love to meet you. Um, come on. Tough crowd. No, no, I love Randy too, so he would really have a heyday with the perfect people, all right? Um, because nobody's perfect. We're, we're all incomplete. We're all in process. We're all growing. We all have sin, and we need Jesus. And so we are imperfect people, but boy, we have a perfect God, right? A perfect God who perfectly pulls us to himself, who perfectly forgives us all of our sins, who perfectly grows us as his kids to be a part of his agenda for the world. And so we always want to make sure we keep that in mind because what we don't want to be as a church is where the world looks at us and says, oh, you guys think you have it together. You guys have it solved. You have all the answers. Your life is more polished than our life. We, we, we really had a deep conviction about this, this tagline as a church because we want to make sure that as we engage our city and our world that people know 
that we're not here to point all the fingers and boss people around and make all the demands, but what we are here to say is that Jesus changes everything because he's so good and so perfect and he has redeemed us in his grace. So we're all on a journey. We're all in process, right? Next, why we exist. And if you go to our website or you look at any of our material, we'll say we exist basically for the glory of God, by the grace of God, and for the good of our city. Right? And every one of these, these phrases are dense in meaning to us as a church and certainly as a leadership. This is our compass, right? So first we say it's for the glory of God. We're not here to please people. We're here to please God. And sometimes people love that and sometimes people hate that because that's always been the pattern. When God is first, at some point, God being first runs up against the shoreline of people's opinions and they want their opinions to rule God instead of God shaping their opinions. And and so what we're committed to is saying, no, no, everything we do because it's all about Jesus is for the glory of God. God's glory is our first chief mission and ambition so when we're thinking through well should we do this or should we do that our question is how is that going to glorify god if there's something where we go well we could do this and it'd be cool but maybe it wouldn't really about be about god as much as it's about our ego we have to really check that and say no no no. then it has to be back in line with being for the glory of god right so we exist for the glory of god also by the grace of god that statement means we love the gospel The gospel is God's grace bestowed on us freely. We do not pitch the idea that you can earn salvation, work for salvation, secure salvation, maintain salvation. It is completely the gift of God's grace given to us. And so we make a big deal about it's God's gift through the gospel to save nothing that we do. So we exist for the glory of God, by the grace of God, but it's not about our holy huddle up here at the high school on Sunday and call it good. We exist for the good of our city, where we seek to engage the city and be in the city and love the city and meet the needs of the city. And as a church, we're still learning what that means, right? Uh, We're still trying to be more involved in the community. We have our counseling ministry that is continuing to gain steam and getting ready for kind of a public deployment. And so we want to know, what are the needs of the city? How do we meet the needs of the city and have a great relationship with the city? And one of the things that's happened this year that I love about this agenda is that now all the evangelical churches in town are coming together for that cause where we're loving the city as the church can in a very special way when we come together as one voice and we pray for the good of our city. That is a powerful thing. If you have not come to a one voice, the next one's going to be in November, you want to be there for that. Because we can do a lot of things for our city. We can serve it. We can be part of Duval Days. We're going to be involved in the Halloween thing downtown. We're going to be passing out candy and just loving the city there. We're going to be a part of the tree lighting. We, we have counseling ministry. We have church on Sunday. Anything we can do to love the city, we want to do. But one of the powerful things that we can do is pray for our city. Right? I mean, you think about some of those scenes in the Old Testament, like with Nehemiah, where he's just praying. God, build the walls. God, ignite the people. God, bring revival. And if we come together as the church deployed in Duval, and we pray for the salvation of our city and the good of our city, uh, God hears those prayers. And so we want to love our city, bring grace to our city, exist for the good of our city. So that's what we do. The next question is, well, what do we try to build here? 
right? Because every church should stop and say, all right, uh, what is our, our real fundamental identity? What, what sets us apart? What's that thing that we wrap our brain around? And, and from that we see there's some things that are good things we just don't do because we're trying to do these primary things. So what, in that sense, what do we build that's maybe different than my friends at Adventure or my friends at Stillwater or my friends at Valley Foursquare or Duval Church or whatever? It's like we're, 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 we're trying to build something particular here. And basically what we try to build as a church are people who care about God's mission, God's truth, and God's worship. Right? So we go, we care about those three things, and what we want to see in every single person that calls redemption their home is that they care about God's truth, God's mission, God's worship. What we say is that we build missional theologians for the glory of God. That's what we say. That's what we call you all, missional theologians for the glory of God. Here's what that means. First of all, you are an everyday missionary in your real world. See, traditionally, we see missionaries as people that we send on planes or boats to far-off places. And that's not untrue, but what is true is that every Christian is a missionary. Because you now live in a culture that needs Jesus. You live in a culture that is a post-Christian culture. That ship has sailed, man. If we think we're getting back to a Christian nation, it's gone. It's just gone. And some of that is gone because the culture's gone sideways, and some of that is gone because, frankly, we're insecure about sharing our faith. We're just insecure. Right? And I get it. I mean, you know, again, it sounds condescending, and it sounds narrow, but... But it's the message Jesus gave us. And so as a church, we say, if there's anything we want to really shape, it's the idea that people see themselves as missionaries. Every single person wanting to get that deposit of the gospel of grace into another person's life. This is why we have a pastor whose chief job is just that, right? Scott exists as a pastor at this church because our priority is to see people that are missional. People who want to share their faith. People that are looking for tools and opportunities and access points and direction and insight on how to do that. So we said we want a pastor that just does that because it's important to us. God's mission is important. God's truth is important. So we said we want a pastor whose focus is theology. That's my job. Right? My job is just to focus on how do we understand ourselves theologically as a church? How do we explore God's word together as a church? How do we make much of Jesus by making much of Jesus' word? So that's what we do. So that's our priority. We want to make theologians. We want you to be intelligent and smart about the Bible. We don't want you to just be a Bible studier, though. We want you to be a Bible doer. It's not called the book of ideas. It's called the book of Acts, right? Like, action. Not just, again, holy huddle, study my Bible, maybe do it, maybe not, never bring it to anybody else. No, we don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we're missional theologians. And all of that is for the glory of God, the worship of God. Worship is a big deal to us. And, and right now, obviously, you know, we're sort of between seasons on a pastor for worship, but that's going to unfold here in the next six months, roughly seven months, something like that. But we say that's really important. This is a church. Worship is the chief end of man. That's the chief purpose for our creation, to worship God, celebrate him, and make much of who he is. And so we want to make missional theologians for the glory of God. So, we take all of that, right, all of these ideas, and we capture it then in our awesome backpack, right? I mean, this captures for us all of that priority in an image. And everything matters. First of all, the backpack matters. Here's what that means. When we first started Redemption Church, we had another line in there too that said, a church without walls. Last time I checked, we still don't have them. All right, so, 
we have school walls, which is awesome. But as a people, as a church, the way we function is very much like, hey, man, we are at the mercy of our city. And by God's merciful grace, our city has opened its arms to us as a church. So we can meet in a school and meet in coffee houses or meet at the tap room or do whatever we need to do by God's grace. But our attitude is we are backpackers. We are nomadic in our spirit. The other part of that is we want to make sure that we're taking this in here out there. Right? It isn't just we come in here and we dig each other and we don't take this out there. No, this is packing it out. So the backpack itself reminds us that we are on journey, we are on mission, we are nomadic, going out to our world and loving our world in the name of Jesus. Right? That's what we want to do as a church, so we're packing. We're also literally packing. We have a squirt gun, which is fantastic. All right, here's the thing about our squirt gun. The attitude is simple. We're loaded up with toilet water, and we're storming the gates of hell, all right? I'm like, if I'm going to squirt Satan with anything, it's toilet water, all right? So, um, so we have the squirt gun, and it's that idea that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? That image is not that the church is in, in, in just wrapped by this giant God gate that can't be throttled by Satan. No, what God is saying is Satan is scared, he's built gates, and we crush those. That's what Jesus says, right? We're the gate crashers. We kick in Satan's door, loaded with the super soaker, and bam, we bring it out, right? That's what we do as a church. And that's what every individual of Redemption Church should see as their purpose and calling. Everybody is to do that. When Jesus said there in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that I've commanded you, I mean, that's it. That's taking the squirt gun and storming the gates of hell. That's what we do. We do that as individuals, but we also do that as a church by wanting to see other churches established. So that is our shovel. The shovel represents that we care about planting other churches right and some of that we already have going out in other parts of the world we send out church planters literally to go and plant churches around the world or help other institutions or groups plant churches in places like africa indonesia south america i mean we've just got people deployed in different places we also want to do that locally so we have an internship training program to develop people for ministry to go and eventually plant churches or be a part of established churches and help them get stronger uh, we do that because we believe that the church is god's promise to the world right god promised to give the world a messenger who has a message of healing and that is the church that carries the gospel so for us planting is important so we'll always want to train people we'll always want to see people sent out to plant churches that's what matters to us as a church. So we care about the gospel. We care about planting churches. We care about going out, right? All of that symbolism is captured. Another thing we care about right here, the Bible. We are pro-Bible here. There are times where there are things in the Bible that frankly I'll go, oh man, I wish I didn't do an exposition. I can't escape that one. I'm going to preach that. And there's going to be some people that send me that delightful email that says, we just broke up um, and I can't I can't I can't solve that one right because again the Bible always wins it always wins and so we're always gonna say you know what it it's a big deal to us to communicate the full counsel of God and to hold it up with joy we don't want the Bible to be a weapon that we beat the lost over the head with we want it to be a, a source of comfort and hope and opportunity and healing and restoration and redemption 
So we want to use the Bible in the way that it was fully meant to be used in the world around us and in the church particular. So we make a big deal about the Bible. And then last, we have this rope here on the side. And the rope is to capture the image that we all need to be tethered together. We need to tie up with one another. Um, this, this goes back to the fact that Christianity is not a solo pursuit. It's just not. Some people treat it that way. We even treat how people get saved that way. Now you have a relationship with Jesus, and it's all about you and Jesus. And it's like, no, it's about Jesus and his church, and you're a part of that, which means you're not supposed to run solo. You're supposed to be tethered and tied to others who are on a journey, right? That's the essence of fellowship. So as a church, we say we group, group up on Sundays, and then we regroup at other points in the week where you can tie off, right? And so we want to really push, especially today with the picnic and everything else, that you get involved in a regroup. Now, I, I know there are people that hear regroup, and they're like, okay, what am I in for? What does this look like? Well, I'm going to show you a video right now to give you a little bit of a sense of boundary what we're talking about. So let's go ahead and play that video really quick. Oh, it's so many levels that was broken. All right, so, so you got nothing to worry about when it comes to a regroup. They are not, there's no dance off, all right? There's, there's, rock band might break out at some point. I don't know. But, you know, for the most part, you know what you're going to get is just other people who are imperfect, other people who are trying to understand how Jesus and their real life intersects, right? And so what we encourage is for people to be involved in regroups. I'm going to bring up a slide here so you get a sense of just some of the different regroups. This isn't everything that we have, uh, but we have a few different groups, and there are diversity in our groups. All right, so you've got a group for people who love Jesus and science fiction. Thank you. You know, I, I'm surprised you didn't say that in Vulcan, though. All right, so, um, right, so you got that. We've got Band of Brothers for guys that are just like, man, we're doing life together and trying to get through it. We have a do divorce recovery group for women because, again, they go, man, there, there's unique things and challenges you face in that. We have a regroup for prayer on Wednesday mornings and Sunday mornings before church. I mean, we've got our women's ministry, Solace, and that's all kinds of regroup activity. So we have all sorts of options, all different nights. And I know some of you are sitting there going, yeah, I probably should, but I probably won't because my life is too busy. You know what? Don't, don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. What we find is that when people get connected to regroups, um, they feel way more connected to their church. And if, if they don't, you know, they just keep coming on Sundays. After a while, they go, you know what? I just don't feel like I know anybody. I don't feel very connected. I don't feel like I have relationships. And our thing is always the same. Well, are you in a regroup? Well, no. Well, that's the place where a lot of that is cultivated. So, man... Hook up into a regroup. Uh, find out maybe the group that's going to be for you. Some of them aren't thematic like these. They're just straight up, just people studying, usually the messages on Sunday. Sometimes they're doing a Bible study or a study on marriage and parenting. There's different options. But take advantage of those options, of what it means to be a part of a regroup. Because again, that's where you're going to find the relationship. And so these are the things that matter to us. Right? The Bible matters, the gospel matters, church planting matters, taking it out matters, tethering together, all of that matters. And this is why I love Redemption Church. Because these are the things that are our values and our core. And I think from that, what it really sums up as is a cool thing about Redemption Church. It's not just that we are Redemption Church, but fundamentally, you. You are Redemption Church. Each one of you, as an individual, you are in essence, Redemption Church. You have responsibilities to Redemption Church. You have a life to give into adventure or into uh, 
Adventure Church. Sure, Randy will love that. Um, Redemption Church. Now, you know, Randy and I have become real good friends lately, so yeah, it's starting to bleed over my head. Um, and so, uh, man, just you have something to contribute. You have something to give, right? Every one of you. And so my encouragement is give it, and as you give it, enjoy Jesus through it, and as you enjoy Jesus, you know what? You're going to have more of a sense of him in your life, and, and that is a powerful thing. When you have a realized sense of God's presence in your life, and God is using you in the way that you're built to be used, man, there is nothing more freeing than being in that place. Nothing more freeing. So let's go ahead and pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your grace, for your word. We thank you for your church. We thank you for Redemption Church, what you continue to do here. And as we go into the future and, uh, you know, just seek to, to bring your message to the city, I pray you give us wisdom, pray you give us focus, pray you give us mercy. We thank you and praise you in your awesome name. Amen.